Okay, now we are going to dive into the I Am series. We've had a, a number of different lessons. Today is going to be I Am the Way, the Truth, and the Life. And uh, I've nicknamed this Comfort Food. So uh, you'll get a little bit more understanding of what that means right now. But let's get our minds going a little bit on this idea of comfort food. Uh, why do people eat comfort food? It brings them comfort. Uh, what are some uh, classic comfort foods? Ice cream. What now? Ray. Chicken feet. I knew Ray'd say that. Mac and cheese, perhaps. What's uh? What about in the uh, the Latino palate? What would be a Latino? What now? Seems, seems to be there's some disagreement. Uh, soft tacos, I guess. No, not really. What about uh, what about in the Asian world? What the uh, Ramen, ramen noodles, that'd be a big deal. How about the uh, African American community? Uh, what? Little, uh, little chitlins, maybe? Okay, what about uh, what, what about in the white bread world? Uh, <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. Okay. And uh, you know we have all these uh, these different kind of foods that we think about, and uh, maybe it's just uh, you know maybe what, it's what your mom cooked. You know maybe that's comfort food uh, in your life. But uh, Jesus here is winding things down. In John 13 through 17, which is essentially the sort of the, the overview that we're going to look at here today, he's winding things down with the disciples. And he's getting them ready. Uh, they are his friends. They, they are the people he spent his, uh, the most amount of time with. He's the ones that he, he's invested himself into. And of course, they're the ones that are going to continue after he is gone. And he knows. They don't totally know they're getting it a little bit. He knows that he's going to be gone. Pretty quickly. And this is really an effort on his part to try to get them ready and uh, get them in a place where they can uh, uh, go on without him. He does things for them. In chapter 13, he washes their feet. He has a lot of uh, a different kind of uh, uh, things that he does, uh, not only for them or to them, he prays for them in John 17. He has different teachings along the way that he, he plugs into their life and he tries to help them understand. As a matter of fact, one of the ones, the I Am's, that were, our last one is going to be also uh, uh, covered here in, in uh, chapter 15. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he goes on and he talks about that. We'll have a whole sermon on that a little bit later. He challenges them. He promises them the Holy Spirit. He says that your grief is going to turn to joy. You're going to go through a bad time and then it's going to come out good uh, on, on the other end. Your grief is going to turn to joy. He talks to them about upcoming persecution. He said, it's going to get tough. He says, all men will hate you because of me. 
And you can imagine uh, that being a little frightening. And, uh, and he's trying to steady them. He's trying to comfort them and get them ready for what's going to happen. Look at chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I've told you these things, all the things that He said to them. I've told you these things so that in Me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Look at chapter 17, verse 13. He says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have a full measure of my joy within them. I have given them uh, your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them from the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And this is the prayer that he's praying to God. Of course, they're there and they're hearing this prayer. Look back to chapter 15, verse 13. He says, Greater love is no one than this, that He lay down His life for His friends. You are My friends if you do what I command. I no longer longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Man, what a great thing to say. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. And then of course, chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in Me. Look back to chapter 13 and we'll pick it up in verse 21. It's a dark time that Jesus is going through with His guys mostly. It says, after He had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray Me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them He meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's what John calls himself, was reclining next to... That's a great thing to you know, describe yourself, the one that Jesus loved, but amen, He's the author. <laughs> Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask Him which one He means. So John is there next to Jesus and Peter sort of nudges Him and says, hey, ask Him who He's talking about. Leaning back against him, Jesus, uh, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. Wow, what a statement from John. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought that Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. It was dark. It was an ugly time. Judas was on his path that was going to lead to Jesus being arrested. This next time is where Jesus is trying to settle them down. He's trying to get them steady. He knows that they are going to scatter and that they're going to run. And things in the next few days are going to get pretty tough. And He says to them an interesting thing here. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. 
You know, in dark times in our life, and we all have dark times in our life, it's the hardest thing in the world to be steady. It's the hardest thing in the world in our life to be be, uh, solid when we feel like, man, things are really rocking and rolling here. I'm not sure I know what's going to happen next. Fear can really unsettle you in your life and we're all afraid at different times in our life. If you're never afraid in your life, you better ask yourself if you're paying attention. Because there's a lot of things that should scare you about life as life goes on. Sometimes in our life we have loss. We have a loved one die. We have circumstances in our life where we lose a job or uh, those kinds of things of loss. We have disappointments in our life. We, we, we just thought things would turn out better than apparently they have in our life. And all of us have a moment where in the quietness of our thoughts, we're like, you know, I, 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 just, I just didn't think it would be this for me. I knew this was a possibility for some people, but I thought in my life it would be one victory after another victory after another victory. Of course, in reality, nobody's life is like that. But in our, in our fantasy world sometimes, we imagine that it's just going to be all easy. And it's going to be all great. And sometimes we say, well, because of Jesus, everything is great. But we fail to remember what Jesus just said. He said, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Following Jesus is not a recipe to having a life that doesn't include trouble. And difficulty, as a matter of fact, It's promised. In what we just read, He says, all men will hate you because of Me. There's times when being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, is not going to be popular. And not going to be well thought of at all. Sometimes you look at our physical health and we're like, man, what's wrong with me? I'm falling apart all over the place. You know, uh, I, I've taken a, a week off of running because I, I, I pulled my left calf uh, running. I had to walk home two different times. Go out and run, you know, get a mile or so out. And like, uh, i got to walk back home. What's wrong with me? Of course, my son said, Dad, I know what's wrong with you. You're 59 years old. <laughs> And you've been running for about 30 years. And so every once in a while you're going to have a calf muscle go out. Well, that happens sometimes. I've got golfer's elbow in my right elbow. And I'm telling you, that hurts. You know, some of you don't think that's a big deal. Uh, you wait till you get a little tendon. Uh, tendonitis problem in your elbow. And you tell me what you think about it then. You know, if it's not my right elbow, it's my left calf, you know. And it just isn't me. You know. It's some of you out there as well. You know, you're just not quite as efficient as you used to be. You're not as quick as you used to be. You have more mass to move than you used to have. Your power has decreased and your mass has increased. And therefore, and therefore, quickness no longer describes you. Even though at one time it might have. You might have been quite quick at one time, but no more. Sometimes we have money problems. You ever have money problems? Sure. You have more month than you have money? <laughs> yeah. You have bills? 
You know, some of us uh, we, we we have money woes and, and worries, and when these things, this fear, this uh, uncertainty, this uh, health problems, disappointment, when these things happen in our life, life looks dark. And I I, I was struck by John saying that Judas, that Satan entered him. Of course, he realizes now that in hindsight, he didn't realize it in that very moment. They were confused a little bit in, in the moment. What Jesus was talking about, thought He was going sending Judas out because He had the money back to go do something in preparation for the feast or something like that. Now John, as he's writing this, realizes, man, that was the moment that Satan entered him. And, and he goes through all that and he says, and it was dark outside. It was dark. And that's the context of Jesus saying in chapter 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in Me. And then He says one of the things that we think about the most when we think about heaven. He says, in My Father's house, My Father's place, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Your place. What's your place going to look like? It's just yours. It isn't somebody else's. You know, you walk in some people's homes sometimes and you're like, huh. I wouldn't have uh, decorated it quite this way. We think about that sometimes even with people's clothing. Yeah, you look at people sometimes, you're like, whoa. I wouldn't wear that. Outside. <laughs> but your place, your room. He said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, that you may be where I am. The imagery of Jesus coming back and taking individually everybody. Coming to get you. A lot of people when they're near death, that's an imagery that they like to imagine. Is that upon my physical body dying, Jesus is going to be there to escort me into the heavenly realms. That's a great thought, isn't it? Wow. I'm going to listen to a song at the end of the sermon that's going to talk about some of that. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a few moments. He says, you know the, uh, the way to the place where I am going. Now this is interesting because Simon Peter up in chapter 13 says, uh, ask him, Lord, where are you going? So they've got this ongoing conversation. So Peter says, Lord, where are you going? And then in verse 5 of chapter 14, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. There's this ongoing conversation where Jesus is saying, I'm going, I'm going to come back, it's going to be wonderful. And Peter's saying, but wait a minute, whoa, whoa, where are you going? And Thomas says, I don't, I, what, what's the way to where you're going? 
And a little bit later we're going to find that not only that, in verse 8 it says, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. So there's this ongoing conversation. The guys are in a room. They've just had the Passover meal. Jesus has washed their feet. They talk about all that. And then He goes in and He says, okay, now it's going to get a little rough. But you guys got to hang in there. But I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. And Peter's saying, well, I don't know about this. And, and Thomas says, well, I don't know about that. And Philip says, well, I, you know, just show us something so we can be a little bit more uh, steady. And Jesus says then this incredible thing in verse 6. He says, I am the way. I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is a statement to comfort them. Settle them down. It's going to be okay. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. It's going to be okay if you're settled in with me. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I want us to talk about these three things a little bit here as we go into this. Jesus says that He is the way. He says, I'm on the road. I'm the path. Now, He talked about the path earlier. Look back to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 7 in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Way back at the beginning of His ministry, He talks about this idea of the road or the path. And He makes this, this comment about it at, at, at that time in uh, chapter 7, verse 13, Matthew. He says, enter through the narrow gate. Go through this narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. He says, basically, here's how you got it in life. There's essentially two roads. There's a broad road, a wide road, a lot of people on it, but the problem is it's going to destruction. And there's a narrow road, a small road, Very small number of people on it relative to the greater number of all the people. He says only a few are going to find it. You know, we look at the world around us sometimes and and we wonder, you know, who is saved and who is not saved. The most important discussion you need to have with who is saved and who is not saved is are you? Now, we're we're not going to let everybody else hang on out there. We're going to have a care for them. Jesus says, I came to seek and save the lost. And if Jesus came to seek and save the lost, then His followers should do the same. Amen? So we should have a concern for the lost. But first and primary, you've got to ask yourself, and I want you to ask yourself right now, are you on the wide road or the narrow road? That's a fair question. It ought to be a question you ask yourself. How am I living? What am I doing? Are you on the wide road? Or are you on the narrow road? The narrow road is the one that we, we, you, you want to be on. Now, interestingly enough, the way also becomes a name for the church. Look at the book of Acts. In chapter 19. And look at several different scriptures here in the book of Acts. To, just to you know, sort of establish the idea here that in the New Testament era... They actually called the church the way. Chapter 19, Acts 19, verse 9. Let's pick it up in verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue. This is in Ephesus. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Isn't that interesting? They called the church 
the way. Verse 23, beginning of verse 21. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I had been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. And, uh, and he goes on and he, and he talks about that. In uh, verse 23, I, I didn't get down to that. Uh, it says, that about that time there arose a great disturbance about, about the way. So this was a terminology that was pretty well known. Chapter 22, verse 4. Picking it up at the, the paragraph there in, uh, in verse 2. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up under the city, under Gamaliel. I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and just was zealous for God as many of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death. Chapter 24, verse 14. Pick it up, verse 13. And they uh, cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I must admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. And then verse uh, 22. It says, Then Felix who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings, and when Lysia the commander comes in, he goes on, he talks about that. So isn't it interesting that in the New Testament era, as Luke writes the book of Acts, he records that they referred to the church, the collective of disciples, as the way. Now if they're thinking back to what Jesus said, I don't know, but isn't it an interesting thought that maybe they were? When Jesus says, I am the way, the followers of, of Jesus are the way because they're following the way. It's the road. Now, everyone in life is on a road, a path. What road are you on? You know, if you're on a road, it behooves you to know where it's going. All of us who drive, which I assume is most of us in the room, if not all of us, we know one time or another we're driving and you realize, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> and I'm looking around and I, I'm, I'm sort of realizing I, I don't recognize anything. I'm not, I'm not going in a good direction. I think if I keep going in this direction, it's going to get worse, not better. You know, sometimes in life, that's, that's how you have a moment. And, and you look at yourself. It's like the, uh, the young lady had shared about communion. You, know, you, you look at your life, you take a snapshot of your life, and you realize, my God, what have I become? You look at yourself and, and you're, you're filled with remorse and disappointment of, really? This is, this is it? Flunking out of school? Into sins that you know are wrong? Into lifestyle that you know is wrong? You ever look at yourself in the mirror and say, come on. 
You know, if I had conversations with some of you that I have with myself sometimes, uh, you wouldn't like me, I'm pretty sure. And sometimes I just chew myself out, but good. You know what I'm saying? Get off your lazy butt and do something, Marty. Move it. You ever have that conversation with yourself? Quit being a sissy. Gutless little wimp. You ever have those conversations with yourself? Feel sorry for yourself? Oh, my life, my life is tough. Shut up. Yeah, sometimes you've got to look at, you've got to ask yourself, what road am I on? Am I on the wide road or the narrow road? Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the path, I'm the road. Where, where's the road going to go for you? Everyone has a road. Then Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth. Now, he actually, this thing of the truth, Jesus comments on the truth actually pretty often. Look back to uh, the book of John, to John 8, a passage that uh, uh, many of you are familiar with. In John 8, verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth. You'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. In John 17, in verse 17, 17, 17, this goes back to the prayer that he's praying for them. And, uh, and he's, he's saying a number of things about them. Verse uh, 15, he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And I think that's an interesting prayer. That Jesus says, uh, God, my, my, my prayer is not that you take them out from a difficult situation. You know, sometimes we pray, God, God, take me out of this situation. It is too much for me. It is too hard. And God says, no, no, no. I'm not going to take you out of that situation. I'm going to give you the strength to endure it. I'm going to give you the strength to live through it instead of trying to get out of it. A lot of times you say, you know, the, the temptations in my life are tough. Well, yeah... The implication is is that it's so hard that you can't do anything about it. Yet the Bible says that no temptation is ever more than we can handle. But we have to trust God to get us through it. So whatever your temptation is, your temptation is sexual in nature. Your temptation is, is, is stealing. You just want to steal. You just want to take it from somebody. I want it and I don't want to earn it. Your temptation is a gossip. Run your mouth when you start to shut up. Whatever the temptation is in your life. You don't need to pray, God, take me out of here. You say, God, give me the strength to get through this. Don't run it. You know, we, we, our, our prayer life sometimes is, is asking for God's permission to run away. God, I want you to bless me while I run away here. God says, no, you need to stay there and gut it out. Come on, I'll give you the strength, but you're going to have to call upon me to do it. Quit asking for an easy road. Quit asking for an easy path. 
and pray for strength, get through the difficulties that you have. Anyway, he goes on down to verse 16. He says, They are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. See, we're back on this truth thing. Your word is truth. Jesus says in His prayer, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The word of God is truth. Now, if Jesus is the road... The truth is the map. It's the way to figure out how to get on the road. You know, we all have... It's pretty easy in the world we live in today. You know, you just get your phone out and you know, put, put the thing in there and it says, okay, turn right here, turn left there. We all know that, right? And, and before that, we had the Thomas Guide. You know, I realize no one in the first three rows here knows what that is, but... Uh, <laughs> That, that's, that's, an, that's an ancient thing we had in, in Los Angeles years past. It was about, uh, oh, I don't know, inch, inch thick or inch and a half thick. And if you had to go somewhere, man, you whipped out that Thomas guy. And, and you started working that thing over, man, because you didn't know where you were going. And, and if you just start driving, you know, you're not going to find it. You, you need some information here. All right? And the information from the truth will get you to the right road, if you follow what I'm saying. Look over to 2 Timothy. Chapter 2. We're going to look at a couple of passages here in 2 Timothy. You guys with me here? Yeah. 2 Timothy chapter 2. How are my teens doing now here? You guys with me? Some of you are with me, some of you are not. I scared some of you off, you know. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, actually pick it up verse 14 he says keep reminding them I, I love that little comment from Paul to Timothy as a minister you have to keep reminding them you say Marty you said that a couple weeks ago that's because I'm keeping reminding you okay because the necessity of doing that is built upon the truth that you forgot you know the reality is if you ask me sometimes on Tuesday what I preached on, on Sunday I forgot and if I can't remember I'm sure you don't all the time you know what I'm saying? And so a minister's job sometimes is to remind you of these things. Warn them. Sometimes, you know, warning. Warning is not a little pleasant thing. It's saying, hey, big time, pay attention. Warning them. Warning them against quarreling about words that has no value. In verse 15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. The Bible is the word of truth. Look over to chapter 3 here. In verse 16, we know this. All Scripture is God-breathed. That means it's inspired of God. The writers wrote it inspired of God. It's the message of God through the hand of men that's been passed down to our lives today. It's the map to get you on the right road. It's God-breathed and useful for teaching. You know, sometimes teaching is just informing someone of that which they don't know. You, sometimes you don't know. And you just need to be taught. You just need to be uh, informed along the way there. Of course, if you're going to have a teaching situation, you have to have a teacher and a student, right? We're the students. The Bible is the teacher. It's, it's good for teaching, for rebuking. Sometimes the Bible rebukes us. It just says, that's a stupid idea. Dumb idea. Don't do that. Or it will hurt you. Rebuke. Correction. What has to be present for a correction to be in order? 
An error. You ever an error in your life? Sure, you turned right when you should have turned left. And training in righteousness so that the man of God, the woman of God, the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. If you'll pay attention to my teachings, you're going to get on the right path. Now, blend this together with, look over Psalm 143. Psalm 143. We ought to be praying that God lead us. Psalm 143 and verse 7. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who are going down to the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. Show me the way. Show me the path. Tell me when to turn right and when to turn left. For I lift up my soul to You. Rescue me from my enemies, O Lord. For I hide myself in You. Teach me to do Your will. For You are my God. Teach me. Help me. Guide me. Get me into the right frame of mind where following You is is what I want to do. Because right now I'm I'm failing in that. God, answer me quickly. Come on, I'm not doing well spiritually. Lead me. Guide me. Push me in the right uh, place is what He's saying. Now you combine that kind of prayer life with the reading of the Scripture, the information, reading the Bible. Who should I marry? Read the Bible. Pray. God, lead me to the right person. Lead me to the right direction. What career should I have? God, lead me in the right direction. Read the Bible. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the truth. There's truth out there. And just let me say this. There's a lot of information in the world today that people have come up with in the last 100 years or whatever, 50 years, and say, well, this is, this is what we've learned now. Well, that's fine. You know what? There's a lot of things we've learned in the last 50 years that are incredibly valuable to all of our lives. 50 years ago, no one had a phone outside of their house. Now, no one has a phone in their house. If you've got a landline now, it's just because you haven't got around to turning it off. You haven't realized you're still paying for it. Look at your bill. There's a lot of things that come along and new technology and things we learn and all that. But there are principles of life, of who people are, that haven't changed and aren't going to change. And you better be basing your opinion on how to live your life and the type of person you need to be based on something a little longer, a little longer in the tooth than what someone came up with 20 years ago. Some theory they thought up. Well, I guess we ought to do this. Well, that's an interesting theory. I think I'm going to go with the ancient wisdom of God as opposed to the newest thing that someone from Stanford thought up. Sorry, Dave. Where, where, where's Dave? I, you know, someone, someone from Eastern Illinois thought up. Okay? People in Eastern Illinois don't think of anything. They just graduate and get a job. 
Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And that, the life thing is really what He's trying to get to. I'm the life. Guys, it's okay. Earlier He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. In other words, he, He's trying to help them understand, I'm life on this side and on the other side. No one comes to the Father except through me. Steady. Settle down. Next few hours are going to get rough, boys. They're going to come and arrest me and Judas is going to lead them. They didn't get that at that time. But boy, when they did get it, boy, their reaction was, was everything from running away to Peter grabbing a sword and, and cutting off the ear of one of the guards. Now I'm telling you, he wasn't aiming for an ear. I got this sword here. I'm going to cut his ear off. <laughs> no, he intended to cut his head off. And he wasn't a very good aim. Well, the guy was a good dodger. And all he got was an ear. I mean, their reaction was everything from running away to getting violent and trying to stop what was going on. Things were going to get wild. And Jesus is trying to comfort them. He's trying to settle them down now. Everything's going to be okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to die. I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to take you with me. And we're going to go to the mansion above where I've prepared a place for me. Now, there's only one way to know some things that are going to happen in life. And this is one of them. People say, well, what happens when you die? There's one way to totally figure that out. Die. (laughs) And then we can figure it out. Scriptures give us a lot of information that we can base upon things, but... The concept that he lays out in John 14 there, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you with me to be where we're going to be, is the basis of this song that we're going to listen to here. And we're going to close the sermon with this song. Now, it's a song that has the lyrics. This is a famous old gospel song. A lot of people sang it. I spent a lot of time this morning on YouTube trying to figure out which one to go with. Uh, But, uh, you know, I, I selected this one uh, not because it's necessarily the most well-known singer. I don't even know who the singer is. But it had the lyrics. And I wanted you to be able to see the lyrics as we go on through. It's a little old-time country, so don't get a little judgmental about it. But uh, I want you to focus mostly on the words, the lyrics here uh, of this great song. This is a song that was sang at Martin Luther King's funeral. It was one of his uh, favorite songs that he had sung often in the church where he was uh, the pastor and, uh, and at that time of thing. So even, even that time frame will give you an idea. This is an older song, but the words are awesome of, of connecting with this idea of Jesus taking us from this life on in to the next life. So let's listen to that song and enjoy it together. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to Precious. 
Jesus is the way, He's the truth, and He's the life. I hope this sets you up for a great week this week. Wonderful to have you here. hope you enjoyed our worship and got a lot out of it. Let's have a great time of fellowship. You are dismissed.